just uh, several days ago, I just returned from being in Asia. I was on retreat in Nepal, and then I was in Thailand. And I was fortunate to get to be with three different, very extraordinary and very completely different teachers, all masters in their own right. I was with Sokni Rinpoche in Nepal, a Dzogchen master, and then I was with um, Ajahn Jimni, an extraordinary uh, character in Thailand, fantastic <laughs> meditation teacher, and uh, and in Kathmandu, I was spent some time with the Kosali Devi, this amazing woman teacher, very powerful and really loving. And these three people, all of them are so different from each other. But what was in common was the message of awakening, that basically it comes down always to the same thing. And as one of the teachers put it, samsara is grasping, nirvana is not grasping. That's it. Everything else, you know, we can add. So as, as uh, in, in the t- language of one of the teachers, um, at our most essential level, who we really are is the innate great perfection. That's who we are. But as we all know, that gets obscured. And it gets obscured by this grasping or aversion. And as all the three different teachers pointed out in their own unique ways, awakening unfolds as we learn how to open rather than close to life as it is. So that instead of meeting life with all this grasping and aversion, we start learning how to meet life by opening. Sounds so easy, doesn't it? Sure, I can just open to life as it is. How did you do today, sitting here? (laughs) Anybody have any moments where they couldn't just completely open? Yeah. In fact, I know that there's um, a number of people sitting here. In fact, you might want to raise your hands. Who's? It's your very first residential meditation retreat. Can we see your hands? Well, welcome to you. You made it through your first day. And I bet you're with um, the others in knowing that this idea of opening rather than closing to life as it is, is quite a challenge. Quite a challenge. Um, And so along my journey of many years of practicing and um, teaching and um, also a number of other practitioners and teachers I know have found that one of the very most powerful and direct ways to learn about opening and closing (laughs) is through the body. It's just a direct teacher in this this path of opening and letting go. So I'll tell you a story, a little side sort of story. I've noticed over many years of teaching that sometimes right before I'm going to talk on a very particular topic or teach on a topic, something will happen in my life that will basically force me to see, you know, can, can I practice what I preach? So for instance, once <laughs> years ago, my husband and I titled a couple's workshop, Getting Closer Through Conflict. <laughs> Never again, you know. <laughs> of course, we had to see, could we practice what we preach? Forget it. Um, not that. So we're in, we're in Asia. We're having a really good time. And uh, 
It's about five days before we're going to leave. And I start getting something on my body, and, and my body does have a way of producing a lot of different things in terms of symptoms, but I've never seen or had anything like this. These, they're called boils, but I'd never seen one. These huge, painful, ugly things begin to erupt on my body. And, um, you know, first the first one or two was kind of like, whoa, and then they started spreading. And uh, these boils did not appear like, you know, on my calf or, you know, my back, you know, somewhere nice or neutral. Just sort of think of what is the area of your body that you would least want to have horrible sores. That's where they were. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> so you got to get this image. I'm telling you the story all for this image. It's about a week ago or six days ago. I'm walking through the Bangkok airport, and I'm walking like a bow-legged cowboy, except I'm limping, and I'm going really slow. So I'm like, you know, and I say to my husband, I say, uh, did I tell you the workshop, the, the retreat is called Awakening Through the Body, you know. Uh, you know, so here we are. I had to see, could I practice what I was preaching, you know, again. So I get home, go to the doctor, get the antibiotics, and she says, um, okay, you'll have to do, and she found out it was a real powerful tropical mix of staph and strep together. So it was a real, you know, Lulu. And uh, so she said, you're going to have to sit in this hot bath of betadine four to six times a day. And I said, okay, well, that'll be like, um, like a bathtub meditation retreat. I had, you know, okay, I'll do that. And uh, so I go home with this idea, and I try to get in the bathtub, and like the boils, which have spread more by this time, won't fit. In the bathtub, it's just, you know, remember how they're about this big? And see this position? No. And so the only way I could get all these things into the water was to sit in this twisted sort of bent way where I was uncomfortable, and it was hard to meditate, and I'm, and I'm sitting there going, awakening through the body. <laughs> oh, it's this all coming back. I can't escape. You know, I had this nice idea, uh, you know, this preference. Oh, I can meditate all this time. Well, no. Oh, I mean, I, I had to meditate on the preferences and the discomforts and the etc.s of sitting in these weird positions and turning into a prune. And the truth was, it really wasn't that bad of an experience. I've had much worse experiences, but it was more these images are, that were making me laugh. Um, and I think it helped having just come out of a retreat. You know, it, was, it did help. And so, over and over, I or my husband and I <coughs> would, would make these jokes, oh, awakening <coughs> through the body, you know, with the, with the next, whatever the next. I mean, I wouldn't even go into some of the details. They're really gross. <laughs> awakening through the body. So, over and over, I kept having the opportunity to see, can I open to this? this particular pain, or this particular weird position, or am I going to contract, and am I going to push this away, and uh-uh, no, not this. So I just had this chance to keep practicing. So um, I want to talk tonight about this idea of using our experience, whatever it may be, as awakener, our experience in our bodies, uh, particularly uh, in both formal practice, sitting practice, how we can really work 
with mindfulness of the body, and also uh, in our in our life as general in general. So um, mindfulness of the body, which Julie talked about so beautifully this morning, that was so great. And I'll basically reiterate everything she said. Um, the Buddhist, uh, I don't know if you know it, but he taught a number of different types of meditation. And it was about, uh, and he said, if there were only one practice that I could teach, and I had to narrow it down to one, it would be mindfulness of the body. And he also said, everything that you need to know about liberation can be found in this very fathom-long body. It's all right here. It's all right here. So meditation invites us to come right into the here and now and to experience reality without concept, without the overlay of concept. That's the invitation. And as we go to the deepest level of reality, there is, as I mentioned last night, true nature, shining like a sun. But the grasping in our mind and our grasping to our stories and grasping to our plans and to our fears and to our, you know, fantasies and schemes and dreams, all of that holding and grasping acts like a filter to the, 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 the reality of our true nature. Meditation on the body cuts through the filter of story and thought. That's why it's so powerful. Meditation using our body can cut through this huge filter. So, when we practice meditation of uh, mindfulness of the body, we're sitting and we allow ourselves to notice what is the most predominant sensation in this moment. It may be a tingle or a rapture or a pain or an ache. And we bring our attention to this sensation. We don't have to figure it out. How long is it going to be here? What's it mean? What's the story? We don't have to worry, oh, no, oh boy, I love this, hope it'll stay. We just directly experience this sensation without grasping, trying to hold it, make it last, if it's pleasant, and without pushing it away. And if we meet even a moment of sensation without any grasping or any aversion, that is called a moment of mindfulness. Mindfulness is meeting what is here in this moment and opening to it as it is and seeing it clearly. So a moment of mindfulness is also known as a moment of freedom because there's no grasping or aversion in the mind. And working with the body is really really a helpful way to begin to see how we get entangled in the stories and how we can just come back to sensation and just allow a sensation to be here. Let it come, and when it goes, let it go, which isn't always that easy, of course. Um, And as Julie said this morning, mindfulness of the body, sensation is occurring now, so that when we really are present with a sensation, 
and we're not overlaying it with a story, we are finally home in the present moment. And the reason why is that such a big deal? Some people have asked, so what's the big deal about a present moment? You know, so good about that. Well, what's so good about it is that everything that we're deeply seeking, our deepest yearning for peace, for freedom, for love, for joy, is all only experienced right now. You don't have your, you know that when you're with your child or your beloved, and if you're off somewhere else, you know, you're looking them in the eye, but you're really thinking about the shopping list, it's not the same as when you're really there. Presence. So Thich Nhat Hanh says, the miracle is not to walk on water. The miracle is to walk on the green earth in the present moment. Peace is all around us, in the world, in nature, and within us. Once we learn to touch this peace, we will be healed and transformed. It's not a matter of faith, it's a matter of practice. We need only to bring our body and mind into the present moment, and we will touch that which is refreshing, healing, and wondrous. So, you know, it sounds so great, (laughs) and it is great, but the fact is that most of us spend most of the time lost in stories and thoughts and judgments and criticisms and, you know, the stuff, which you probably saw today, right? Tiredness. It's not, there's nothing wrong with the tiredness or the pain. It's the judgments about it and the fighting against it that creates the filters. So we often will get pulled into stories or into tiredness or into thoughts to avoid, which is sort of taking us up into our head and often away somewhere to avoid something that's happening here. So, you know, we often live from here up. Our friend Wes says, uh, here we are, welcome to America, heads are us. You know? (laughs) And, you know, it's actually okay that sometimes we do things for avoidance. We're humans. But when this avoidance becomes um, continual and unconscious and automatic, we become cut off from our life, from our heart, and we pay a great price in that cut-offness. And we really are in a culture of being so cut off. Um, The unnameable amount of damage that's happening to people. It's not historic. It is historic, but it's also present time right now um, through racism. Happens because of enough people being enough cut off that we can allow it to keep happening and not see it, not feel it, not know it. Or our ability to harm our air. We breathe. Or the earth that supports every everything we do. The only way we can put that level of harm into the earth and the air and the water is to be cut off. If we were feeling, we couldn't do it. It would be like poisoning your mother or your best friend, 
some cases people might go, ah, poison me. (laughs) So meditation on the body awakens our capacity to feel. And it is crucial that we feel. And uh, a lot of us think we get stuck in like only wanting pleasure and avoiding pain. But in all my years of working with people, um, especially women, can be as avoidant and afraid of pleasure as we are of pain. And so by working with uh, meditations on the body, you don't just work with pain, as we heard this morning. Everything comes. And what we learn is that it's actually possible to feel enormous amounts of pleasure and bliss in our body, but not get lost in it. If we get lost in it, then it's just another distraction. And it's possible to feel enormous amounts of pain and sadness and not get lost in it. It's possible to feel without being lost. And that's part of, in some of our cases, the not getting lost or entangled, as Ajahn Jiminy would say, is part of the, is part of our dance. I'll tell you a story of a woman at a retreat I was teaching, a young woman who came in to interview. She come to the retreat, it was a seven or ten day retreat, um, she came because she wanted to prepare for getting married, which she was getting married in three weeks. And she thought it would make her so open. And she came into her interview and said, you know, I came here so I could feel love, and all I have happening is lists. What I have to do when I get it done, who may I call, it's just endless. And I'm not sure, maybe I should go home. And I said, uh, and she also said, and I don't feel any love. I don't feel love for myself. I don't feel love for my partner, my fiance. You know, we do this meta, and all I have lists, lists. I said, well, let's just have you close your eyes and see what happens. And it just only took a few moments. I got a call, you know. And I said, now, there's the list. Now, just take your awareness into your body and notice what is occurring at the level of sensation while this is happening in your mind. And she said, well, there's some tightness in my chest. I said, okay, let your awareness go to the sensation of tightness. Nothing to figure out. Let the list go for now. And just become interested in this tightness. Let yourself be with it. So she took her awareness and she sort of stayed there, tightness, tightness. And I said, well, what's happening? And she said, well, it's getting tighter and it's spreading across my whole chest. And I said, okay. Notice that, spreading, tighter, tight. Just can you stay there with it? And she started sort of saying, well, I feel kind of a trembly. I said, notice tremble. Just be, can you notice that? And she said, it's scary. I said, okay, fear. Can you be here with fear? Just present. You don't have to figure it out. Don't push it away, but just feel fear. So she sat there, and as she let it, as she let herself be with it, it started, the fear started building. She was kind of going, you know, taking big breaths and going, whoa, you know, this is scary. What is this? You know, and I said, can you just stay and notice scary? What do you feel? Heart pounding. Okay, fear. So she stayed with it. And then she just blurted her eyes open and sort of blurted this thing out that she hadn't ever realized. She said, 
I'm afraid of getting married. I'm afraid this is a huge mistake. I'm terrified. And I said, okay, fear. That's fear. Can you close your eyes again? She's going, whoa, you know, I never wanted to think that thought. And so she closed her eyes again. I said, what are you feeling right now? And she said, well, I feel this the tension, but I feel a pressure right here in the center of my chest. I said, can you go right into that? And as she went into that, these tears started coming down her face. And she said, I'm afraid he's going to leave like my father left me when I was a kid. I'm just really afraid he'll leave. (coughs) And I never knew that. So then all this sadness came. She lasted about a minute or two, but it was just all this sadness and grief. And when that passed, rather than following the story about the guy leaving and the father and all of that, I said, what is your experience right now in your body? And sort of had this big smile. She said, there's so much space. I said, well, just notice the space. So she sat there. Can you just be present with that open space? She had this big smile. So after the meditation ended and we talked, she said, well, I've been realizing that. I never realized I've been pushing him away. I had all these reasons. I thought I should push him away. I didn't even know. But actually, it was because of all this fear. And, you know, she said, oh, I want to go call him. I love him so much. You know, this, this one she'd opened. So, of course, the, besides how to use mindfulness of the body, the, the moral of the story <laughs> is that trying to avoid and push away the, the worries and fears of our life increases the worries and fears and problems of our life, basically. That's how it works out. And our willingness to directly experience life is what brings about this aliveness and begins to open the gates to freedom. So, um, of course, I'm sure some of you probably noticed that emotional pain is not the only kind of pain you deal with in meditation. You know what I mean? How many people today experience some pain while meditating? Please raise your hands. Thank you. (laughs) That's the point. Isn't it amazing? We can be walking around living our life, you know, we're not in pain. We sit down, we close our eyes, we come, you know, to feel all this peace and love, and what do we feel? You know, ah, pain, you know, especially on the first day, by the way. The amazing thing is that after several days, if you go to a longer retreat, and sometimes after one or two, all those knots begin to unwind, and a tremendous amount of the pain that's not caused by injury, of just the, quote, meditation pain, begins to dissolve. But pain, um, pain is a really important thing to talk about and a profound practice. Uh, when we really have physical pain uh, in our life, illness or accidents or whatever, boils, <laughs> um, we have to ask the question, how can I work with this? Not necessarily, how can I get rid of it? I mean, there is nothing wrong with getting rid of your pain. If you know a way, go ahead. Um, but there's plenty of different kind of pains, like the 20-hour airplane flight back from Bangkok. <laughs> there's no getting out of this airplane except by a parachute. And, you know, you just have to be with this pain. 
And there's plenty of pains that are way bigger than that pain. That was just a boil, or ten. Um, <laughs> but the question is, how can I be with this pain? Is there any way I can work with it? Can I open to it? And it turns out that working with pain, because the only way to really work with it isn't to tighten and contract around it, but to open and make space, working with pain is a direct teacher to this, the great art that we're talking about, the art of opening to life as it is. So when pain comes, especially meditation pain, um, which is way more workable than, let's say, the pains people might work with with a serious end-of-life situation and all of that, it's great to have that chance to sit here with this knee thing and go, oh, can I bring my awareness to this? Can I open around it? Or am I going to need to fight and struggle and do all kinds of overlays on this, which tend to make it worse? Actually, go ahead and close your eyes, if you would. And just notice if right now there may be an area of intense sensation Or pain. If not, you can do this little exercise uh, with just whatever is the strongest sensation you're experiencing. But allow your attention to go now to the area in your body that has what we'll call strong sensation. Rather than calling it pain, we'll call it strong sensation. And allow your awareness to make direct contact with this sensation. And just see, what is this? Is it twisting? Or is it throbbing? Or is it pressure? Just notice, what is it? If I don't try to get rid of it, And then notice if around that intense sensation is there an area of contraction or tension. Just notice, no judgment. And whatever is around the area of sensation, allow it to soften. All the muscles and the tendons and the tissues that are holding and surrounding the area of sensation, just let those relax. So your awareness stays completely present with the sensation which may be changing or traveling, but you're opening around it. Soften. Just allow your body 
to melt open and make room for this sensation. Stay right with it. Notice what the sensation is now and let go all around it. Allowing the sensation to be here. Just allow sensation to float. Let your body open like the sky through relaxing, soften. So sensation is floating in the open space of relaxed body, not resisting the sensation, not trying to get rid of it, just being completely present with it and opening. So you can open your eyes. So our beloved teacher who taught us this, Stephen Levine, said this this practice will either make your pain get better, get worse, or stay the same. (laughs) Because the point of it isn't isn't to make it go away. This is a practice of learning to work with, to have a relationship to our sensation. And you can see how practicing that... Well, raise your hand. How many people noticed the sensation of pain or difficulty getting better by doing that? Yeah. Well, how many got worse? Yeah. So you can see most people, because we contract and resist, it just um, creates more (laughs) suffering. And that is the metaphor. It's direct in the body but it's the metaphor for every level of our life and our mind. When our mind opens and is wide and spacious, we can basically handle anything. And when we're contracted, the littlest thing seems impossible. You know what I mean? Like PMS. (laughs) Um, So, I do want to say one thing about that practice. Um, When you're working with pain, especially real really difficult pain, or ongoing pain, or chronic pain. Um, It takes so much compassion to not slip in. There's a kind of New Age thing, I should be able to meditate this away, or I shouldn't have this pain. And there can be these overlays, and it's so important to not use meditation practices to sort of try to have an experience and then feel guilty about not having it. So be careful. I read something that Ramdas said in an interview recently. You know, about uh, someone asked him, "What's the hardest thing you've had to deal with in this whole uh, terrible stroke he's had?" He said, "It's been the pain. The pain. You know, working with the pain has been intense." And he said, "And I haven't been able. I haven't been able to um, make the pain go away through meditation." 
But he went on in the interview to demonstrate, not to say, but I'm free, to demonstrate in his being and everything he was saying that he was holding the whole thing, the stroke, the inability to walk, the inability to speak, the incredible pain, the humiliation, times of incontinence, the whole thing he was opening to, including the fact he couldn't make the pain go away. So, so the freedom was so much bigger than the pain. But that does not take away from the fact. In a human body, there are times, for most of us, where we deal with pain. So I want to share another story with you about um, a woman who used this whole process of opening to life um, on kind of all the levels of her life. And uh, she's just been an inspiration to me recently, so I wanted to tell her story. She, um, actually, I think, I think of them as a them. They're a couple, a lesbian couple, two of my best friends. And I'm telling you the story of one of them, um, who I'm going to call Carol. Carol is one of these women who is a therapist and teaches at the university and is an activist. And, you know, on the weekend she climbs 14,000 foot peaks. And she's just one of these people, you know. Who, and she's very loving and funny all on top of it. So she's always been really healthy and strong really healthy and strong. And about two years ago, she began to, as menopause sort of was beginning, she began to experience a whole bunch of different symptoms that were slowing her down, lots of fatigue and back pain. And um, she got some, oh, she got a chronic bronchitis that just got worse and worse. And everybody was telling her, you know, you have to slow down, you have to stop. But she kept going and going. It got worse and worse till finally her doctor said, Car- you know, Carol, wake up, honey. It's, you know, rest or die. You've, you've got to change. So finally something got through to her, and she stopped. And her and her partner together created a um, one-month silent meditation retreat for her at home. And her partner was completely supportive of this and helped uh, in many ways and didn't have any social conversations with her for a month. Really, it was beautiful how they worked as a team, and uh, which they've always done. And so, um, during the time, she knew she had to go and get into a much deeper level of awareness of her body. Um, she needed to really listen to the body. So she did mindfulness of the body. She did the same practice, sitting, walking. She'd been to many retreats in silence, which you're doing for a month at home. Um, she didn't do any work, no phone calling, nothing like that. And um, doing mindfulness of the body about 95% of the time. So here's some of what she said. All my life I've learned my lessons through my body. I climbed mountains, ran marathons, and celebrated being a lesbian. When I was a young woman, through my body I learned about the empowerment of going beyond my conditioning, pushing my limits, and going over edges. Now, through my depleted midlife, perimenopausal body, I'm learning deeper lessons. First, illness and pain forced me to stop and become more present with myself than ever before. As I paid close attention to the signals, stories, and sensations emerging from my body, I had to stretch as never before to embrace shame, fear, and resistance. It was at times grueling, at times delightful, and at times possible. 
but I continued returning to the sensations in my body. Through my brokenness and suffering, my body taught me a deeper compassion for myself and for all others who dwell in bodies. One afternoon toward the end of my retreat, my body and mind became a shimmering field of light which expanded and then dissolved into vast luminous space, absolutely silent, peaceful, and complete. Through this precious, aging, vulnerable body, I realized beyond doubt that sacred emptiness is the underlying essential nature that connects every being in infinite compassion. So that's some of what she said, just a tiny bit of it was pages, what she wrote. Um, So that was a beautiful experience, a good retreat, hard retreat. And within about three weeks of finishing her retreat, this is an important part of the story, she realized that no retreat and no beautiful, one powerful, flashy experience was going to vaporize her tendency to want to uh, deny and override and escape the limits of aging. What she began to notice only three weeks after her beautiful retreat was uh, her tendency, her pattern to start pushing again. So because her health depended on it, uh, some of us, including me, a group of women, all talked. And with this group of women, she made a commitment to herself, but with us as witness. And her commitment was to um, use the changes occurring in her body and her, rela- her reactions to them as her spiritual practice. And she made a commitment to bring awareness and compassion and acceptance to the things that she couldn't fix or change that were happening in her body. So I asked her, this was all took place about a year and a half ago. So recently I asked her um, if she could talk about what she learned by the retreat and by this commitment that she made to accept what's going on in her body. So this is some of what she said in response. Just a minute. We'll find it. Okay. She said, Since I made the commitment to bring more acceptance to my body changes, I learned that Naomi was right when she said, aging isn't for sissies. In the last year and a half, I started wearing glasses, had to quit teaching at the university, had insomnia, hot flashes, mood swings, bladder problems, back pain, a cancer scare, and my once impressive and dependable memory seems to have gone into early retirement. I learned that when I can accept non-perfection, I am happier and more alive than ever. That when, and when I don't accept, I'm just the crotchety old woman I said I would never be. So, I tell you her story because I was a witness, I've been a witness to this transformation, and it's been, 
it's been inspiring. I've known her for a long time. And in about the last year, I've noticed, and a number of other people have noticed because we've talked, that just being around Carol, you feel loved. She's not doing anything particular, but there's a something coming off of her. And to me, that says more than anything. You know, just there's something coming off her that makes people feel this feeling of being loved. So, this was just one woman's story. And I know that there are so many, many stories in this room. So many stories. We heard some of them today. There's stories in this room of illnesses, cancers, and stories in this room of births and, of course, deaths, abuse. Just so many stories and so much vulnerability. And as women, we, we bleed and we nurse and we laugh and we cry and we sweat and we, and we celebrate our children and we, and we <coughs> grieve for the children that we weren't able to have. And all of that is dharma. It's all sacred. <coughs> This life we live is sacred. And part of what helps us to get that, not just in our mind, but to feel it, to feel our life that's being lived through this body as sacred, is this practice. And it's not just a sort of practice, it's a regular practice. And by the way, Carol did tons of it during this last few years. The practice of learning to meet ourselves with loving-kindness and compassion. And we've all heard this before, but you can't hear it too much, and I can't hear it too much. Just over and over, the journey in a body is that over and over we work with opening our hearts in compassion to what's happening now. Oh, this. Oh, this loss. Oh, this grief. Ah, or this, or this bliss, or this rapture. Opening. And with, we open in compassion again and again to our imperfections, to our insecurities. We learn to begin to hold ourselves with kindness instead of with so much judgment. And we open, this is so important, our practice is to open to the ways that we're closed. To those places where we've gone solid and dense and dead. We open in compassion, in mercy, to how scared we are, to how, how defended we have to be sometimes in this harsh world. Just compassion, over and over, every day, as a practice. Compassion to how we judge ourselves and others. And just mercy to how heartbreaking it can sometimes be to just live on this earth with what's happening here.
mercy. No wonder we close. It's, it's painful, it's scary sometimes. And as we keep working with opening to life as it is, opening our heart, opening in compassion to ourselves and others as a practice that goes on and on over years, in time we do realize a compassion that has no boundaries, that's wide open. And we realize that we are not separate from that great compassion. We're not other than that. As a poet puts it, we fall through the darkness until our body becomes a star or a river of love that sad humans can dip their cups into. till our body becomes a star or a river of love that sad humans can dip their cup into. That's the path of compassion. So our path is not a path of going up and out. Our work, our practice brings us down and in. Down into our body and down into our deepest heart. And I will finish with a, uh, something some of you probably heard me read because it's one of my favorite quotes. It's Pema Chodron saying, Instead of transcending the suffering of all creatures, we move towards the turbulence and doubt. We jump into it. We slide into it. We tiptoe into it. We move toward it however we can. We explore the reality and unpredictability of insecurity and pain, and we try not to push it away. If it takes years, if it takes lifetimes, we be with it as it is. At our own pace, without speed or aggression, we move down and down and down. And with us, millions of others our companions in awakening from fear. At the bottom, we discover the water, the healing water of bodhicitta. Right down there in the thick of things, we discover the love that will not die. So let's just close our eyes. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash
donate.